everyone, welcome to our eighth podcast. Thank you so much for the support and following we've had so far. We're really proud of the community we're creating and we'd love you to get in touch on our socials and get involved in our podcast. We'd love to hear your feedback and questions for our guests and we can be found at Twinkle EAL on Pinterest, Instagram, Twitter and on Facebook. Today we've got the fabulous EAL Glasgow team and we're looking today at diverse literacy. We've had so much information and ideas and resources about books this week with it being the 25th year celebrating World Book Day. It's so important that children and young people see themselves and each other in the books they read. Teachers and librarians are working really hard to ensure that pupils have access to texts that reflect the diversity of all of our communities. So welcome to you all. It's great to have you here today. Would you like to introduce yourselves and tell us a bit about what you've done in the team and what you've done up to this point in your career, please? Hi. um, Hi, thank you for having us on here, Um, Helen. um, So my name is Soma Day. I am a primary school teacher. I have been for 13 years. Over the last four or five years, I would say that I've taken quite a keen interest in kind of equalities and um, working with the English as an additional language team to kind of support those learners that um, need further support um, in progressing their learning. Um, So recently in our team, we have been involved in doing a lot of um, professional development for our colleagues, practitioners, but across various establishments and sectors, just really trying to upskill them, so that enabling them to have the strategies and skills and tools and the knowledge that they need to support all of our learners in terms of equalities and diversities. Um, we've done a whole load of stuff, so it would be difficult to just say that in a very brief introduction. Um, so I'm going to say it's very exciting work and there's definite, um, we've definitely seen some growth in this area and I'll pass you on to the next colleague, who is Stephen. Oh, um, hi, my name's Stevie Dolan and um, I'm also part of the Glasgow EAL team and um, yeah, I've been teaching English, French and um, working with EAL pupils for oh, quite a long time. Um, and too many and, years and to count. Too many years to count and, and Glasgow, <laughs> Glasgow secondary schools. And um, also teach ESOL, which is, a, 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 if colleagues in England don't know, it's the SQA qualification for English for speakers of other languages. And um, it goes to higher level, so it's like a uni- university entrance um, a qualification. Um, and that's a, yep. Um, so in the team, yeah, similar to what Soma's been saying, we've, we've delivered a lot of CLPL and um, working with um, teachers across Glasgow to um, share, spread the word about the importance of EEL pedagogy in, in our schools and why it's so crucial to, to, to the young people. And um, yeah, that's pretty much it. Um, there's more, but yeah, I think that's <laughs> enough. From me, I'll hand you over to the wonderful Alexandra. <laughs> Thank you. I'm Alexandra Hempler and I'm also part of the EEL um, Leaders of Learning team. Um, similarly to Stevie and, and Soma, I, for the last couple of years, I've taken interest in diverse texts and, and um, race equality. And these themes started to be really something I, I became passionate about. And having those two wonderful colleagues on the team just helped me to to die, you know, to kind of dig deeper and and 
educate myself about some of the of the issues and challenges our young people and children face and how text can help them and us to tackle some of those really kind of big topics that we face in nowadays society. Um, in terms of achievements, oh, I'm, I'm trying to think if there have been any, but I feel quite passionate about digital um digital platforms and digital learning so a lot of things i've been focusing on we're looking at innovative technology again together with stevie and soma we've been kind of developing some resources that had diversity um embedded into them so that's pretty much that was um huge for the mother language day as well wasn't it their focus is technology this year wasn't it yeah yes that's got a good link um, okay, so we're looking um, at diversity in books. And what exactly do you think diversity in books mean? Um, I think from my perspective, diversity in books means um, using text, using literature that really is representative of all of our learners, um, using texts and literature to mirror um, learners' experiences so that they have texts and books that they can relate to, that there's relatable content. But it's also about even for our for all of our diverse learners, when I'm talking about all of our learners, I mean even our bilingual EL, our monolingual learners as well, so that texts are representing our communities, our very diverse global communities. So that's what diverse diversity means for me. Um, I'm sure Sylvia and Alexandra have got more to add to that. Um, yeah, I mean, I, th- I think for me... Uh, Coming from an EEL perspective, uh, diversity in books is is crucial to engage young people in reading um, because we, we need young people to identify with, with characters um, and stories that, that reflect their backgrounds, cultural, religious, ethnic um, language backgrounds, so that the, the, the they can um, so that young people can um, develop their their English language skills and their academic skills, and that diversity has to be across the curriculum, um, not just in the yeah. English class, but you know all class science, whatever whatever possible, to try and um, teachers um, need to try and find ways to to bring diversity into the classroom um, in a real way. A real way that's that re- re- relates to to young people's experiences, and sometimes that can just be and get involving the young people in the in discussions about like what's your experience of from from your background of this this topic yeah, certain topic, certain yeah. topic, yeah. Or I mean, how do you say this in your language? I mean, comparing um, languages and getting kids to talk about vocabulary. And where the word translime, yeah. where the words come from, mm. you know, yeah. what's the etymology of words and um, all that kind of. So, it's, it's bringing language into the classroom as well, um, and making it exciting and interesting and relevant. Mm. Yeah, um, children absolutely love it. Yeah. don't they? you know, if yeah. you've yeah. not done it before in your classroom, mm-hmm. um, you know, it's it's magical when they all come together and do share the language. It's amazing, isn't it? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I think their, their faces certainly light up when you bring yeah. something into context that's really relatable to them. And certainly, I think we've all experienced that in any lessons that we've delivered that are 
um, that we are offering that are that is more representative. Their, their, their little faces just light up, and that's what we want to see. And as soon as their little faces light up, they engage in the learning, they start making those connections, which is all part of the, their learning journey. I'm sure mm-hmm. Alexandra's got something else that she well, can Well, I will just echo exactly what you have said. And for me as well, it's, it's, it's such a powerful teaching tool, you know, bringing those diverse texts into the class because... Um, you know, I think just reading about them and how they can be used effectively to tackle big issues, but also to make sure that every single pupil finds themselves in a book. Um, you know, on a kind of very personal note, I was not a great reader when I was at school. I didn't like reading. And I just realized, you know, all the texts that I was encouraged to read at school were not something I could find myself in terms of characters or the stories that were told uh, by by the books. And I think it's really important to to encourage young people and children to read um, and to be able to find a piece of themselves in that story. Uh, yeah, I think that's a good point, actually, because, I mean, just thinking about my own experiences of, um, like, school and reading, um, I think one of the most exciting moments when I was at school, and that's come back a bit, was when the was when um, the English teacher brought in a book, which was written by a Scottish author, you know, and um, which was quite unusual in those days, and it was uh, William McIlvany, Laidlaw, and it was about a detective in Glasgow, and it dealt with kind of Glasgow issues that were relatable. You could see yourself, if or people, characters that you could understand. Um, and that was quite groundbreaking, groundbreaking back in those days. Um, yeah, uh, related to, to, to those settings and things. Yes, like that. and for for us, you know, as I mean, in my class, it wasn't particularly diverse. I have to say, it was mainly kind of working class Glasgow kids. We we were excited to be reading a book that had like the Glasgow dialect in it, you know, and yeah. to see that and to read it and for it to be valued and seen as important as literature. So I mean. Yeah. That's just a, from what you're saying, Alexander, from a personal point of view. Um, so it's it's so important that young people have that um, connection yeah. with the text mm-hmm. that, that they're reading. And yeah. there's more and more available yeah. now. So there, there's no reason why schools can't make the effort to um, to, to widen, to broaden the, 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 the reading curriculum in, in classrooms. And yeah. I think in terms of inclusion as well, if we want to make all of our learners included then that representation needs to be there and all of our learners should be able to make those connections with the stories that they're hearing or you know or or see themselves in the reflected in stories that are being told or the narratives in other topics and other areas of the curriculum and I know we've got lots of um, resources that kind of support that certainly um, not just in literature but in topic and history in geography, it should cover all areas of the curriculum. So that's sort of normalised. We want all of this representation to be normalised rather than mm-hmm. celebrated. Or just seen as, yeah, 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 it shouldn't just be yeah. an adult. It should be something that is seen every day in, in your classrooms. Mm-hmm. And like you mentioned, Stevie, about the authors, it's having that range of authors as well, isn't it? And illustrators and behind the scenes as well as not just, you know, in the books themselves. Mm-hmm. Uh, my next question was, why is diversity so important in children's books? And I think you've covered it there. Um, but is there anything else to add on that and why it's so important for our educators to you know, embed this in their classrooms? I think it really 
provides that space for a dialogue, for discussion, for sharing perspectives. And and like I said before, it can be such a powerful teaching and learning tool that we should just, you know, embrace and use effectively. Um, especially, you know, just watching the news nowadays, there are so many things that young people are processing and trying to understand and texts, diverse texts often allow for open discussions and seeking those perspectives and understanding other sides. So I think it's it's just really a powerful teaching tool. Yeah, it can certainly increase, sorry, I was going to say about social media channels, you know, that children yeah. have got access to those now all the time at home and in school. And it, it's difficult, isn't it? Books are a sort of a way out, aren't they? You know, somewhere to sort of escape as well. Yeah. Yeah. But on that note as well, I think that's something that we we touch upon in our CLPL. It's also the exposure maybe uh, to the books that are uh, trending on social media versus what we would like young people to read um, is another kind of thing because often we've been we've been looking at the shelves in you know supermarkets and. And, and maybe that's something that we we would like to see more diversity, accessible diversity, and maybe those lists with texts recommended for parents and for young people and children to, to read, to be really accessible. I think also we, we were lucky enough to be able to speak to young children and um, from primary and from secondary. And one of the key things that they were saying was that they just don't see themselves represented and from that they don't see how they fit in and it's almost like they disengage from that lesson yeah. because they can't see themselves they don't they don't know where you know where what place they have in their community or in the world even and if you hear young people actually saying that it does have a profound impact on you you think gosh you know it really is it really will make a difference if we try and represent our learners um better um so we've, we've been lucky enough to hear that, haven't we? Mm, yeah. yeah, that's really important. I mean, I've read some statistics from um, the CLPE Reflecting Realities um, Survey of Ethnic Representation Within UK Children's Literature Report. Um, so this was from 2021, so only last year. And the study compared the fact that there was 33.9% of children of primary school age in England are from a minority ethnic background, with only 8% of children's books that have a minority ethnic main character. So and I thought they were, you know, shocking statistics that And sometimes and sometimes those narratives can be quite negative as well. And that's something that we're we're trying to promote is that try and look at some of these characters or these narratives in a positive light rather than from a perspective of the victim road mode. Um because sometimes yeah. these stories can be that way led. Um Yeah. yeah. I mean, so it's one of the one of the issues is um, as well as I think is uh, schools need to modernise the books that they're buying in. Mm-hmm. You know, um, speaking from one of the, the issues that we cover in our CLPL is what books you shouldn't be teaching <laughs> yeah. in class. You know, um, which is, sounds really negative, but it has to be kind of discussed. Um, but but there are books that were that maybe in the 1970s or the 1960s were genuinely seen as oh, groundbreaking progressive books dealing with issues um, relating to racism and so on that, to be quite honest, 
I wouldn't want to teach in a classroom nowadays because of the language um, and maybe could only be used, say, with like older pupils to look at maybe these books as almost like historical artifacts or documents of um, this is these, they used to use words like this in books, you know, in yeah, school and we had to read discussion. to form part of a discussion, exactly. Um, but, um, you know, um, speaking from, uh, like, we, we looked at case studies where, like, there are books still being used in schools, which are, um, I would say, inappropriate or racially insensitive would be maybe the language you would use. And um, the kids, the kids certainly feel that way because I've been speaking from, uh, again, personal experience. Yeah. And um, so it's a matter of schools need to, 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 to modernise what they're, what they're buying in because there is enough resources out there yeah. in terms of literature so and so on. Yeah. Exactly. So many and exciting, exciting authors that are challenging um, these old narratives, if you like, and yeah. um, revisiting issues like slavery and looking at it from different perspectives. Um, and, and you know, so I'll stop rambling, but I mean... <laughs> no, I thought I thought it was interesting. Um, yeah, no, I saw, I can't agree with you, Stevie, uh, more. And I thought to myself, I see, um, I see such a big... Uh, change in how schools go about seeking those diverse texts. I think when we started discussing uh, resources, materials um, for our CLPL, initially looking at the statistics that you quoted as well, we were quite worried. Uh, but at the same time, we, we did see it as a reality. That's exactly what, you know, what we saw in school libraries and texts that were maybe presented to to young people and children in classes. But I think, correct me if I'm wrong, colleagues, that we see this this changing and this um, hunger for diverse text and, and uh, colleagues, um, practitioners in class actively seeking those diverse texts, which is so um, reassuring. And I think it's kind of heading in the right direction. I think there's a real evolution taking place and there's a real interest being generated. And I think social media is actually helping with that. There's so many... Yeah, you definitely feel that energy, don't you, on yeah, social media? Yeah, definitely, definitely. And I think it's very, very powerful. And I think we, as a team, I know what we're trying to do is certainly support that and support our colleagues in accessing resources and accessing tools and strategies. And there's lots of challenges that, that practitioners face as well. But we're also trying to, through our CLPL, also trying to offer them solutions because there is a real fear and um, there's a lack of awareness of racial literacy and the type of words that should be used or shouldn't be used. And colleagues are almost frightened um, or they don't feel equipped enough because everything keeps changing. The language yeah. language that you're allowed to use or should be used or shouldn't be using keeps changing. And um, there's, there's certainly a, a fear there. But I'm glad that we have so many people on board, like Alexandra said, and there's definitely change taking place. And we're in we're baby steps, baby steps, but those baby steps will mm. will will create impact. Yeah, definitely. Um, talking about your CPD, um, I know you've got some CPD on diverse literacy for educators. Could you tell our listeners um, about that and the work that you're doing on that? It's divided into two parts. We have two sessions that are part of the same. CLPL. Um, so I help me with the content. I'm just looking at 
Right. So we're basically looking at the impact that diverse texts would have on our learners. So we begin by offering statistics on current texts and literature that we have available, which is quite poor. Um, mm. I know, although we've talked about it, it is evolving, it's growing and it's expanding, but it is still quite poor. And not enough of our colleagues are aware of the impact that um, lack of representation is having on our, on our learners. So we discussed that. We're lucky enough to have some um, pupil voices on there, which we felt was really powerful for practitioners to hear from their actual learners. This is what children are saying about their experience, about their learning journey and how it's impacting them. So that's what the first session kind of encompasses. And that often leads to quite some discussion and some questions. And then the second session, we try to offer more practical solutions to okay. show our and practitioners, well, hang on, you know what, actually, this is how you can offer diverse text, diverse literature. Um, it can be done easily. This is how you can come. This is how you can put together a sequence of lessons under. Um, for us, it's a curriculum for excellence underneath those benchmarks using experiences and outcomes. So I think the first part is opening up discussion and sharing statistics and data, and then the second part is trying to offer practical solutions. And then there's often quite a lot of questions that come in that as well, which we try and address. Um, but it's really about talking. Let's try and get, let's get people talking. Yeah, let's start talking about the issues that are impacting you in your classrooms. What do you see? What are your challenges? What are your fears? What are your worries? Let's try and work together because we don't all have the answers. We certainly don't no. have all the answers. We're no. still learning and figuring it all out. But maybe if you come yeah. together, then there's certainly a real, um, real drive forward. So I hope... <laughs> oh, that sounds amazing. It sounds brilliant. Um, and then... Also, which books, so talking about um, literature and books and authors, which books would you recommend to our listeners to use at home with their own children or to use in their settings? Have you got any that you um, have used already? <laughs> to talk about? Stevie's, always, Stevie. Stevie's always promoting that one. I've got it here now, Stevie, as well. Reading I've it. got my copy here, to, too. <laughs> I'm going to promote this one. The, it is um, fab. I, I don't know if you're aware of this one. It's called The Fox, Girl, the Fox Girl and the White Gazelle. And it's by Victoria Williamson. Actually, and, my copy um, is signed, Stevie. I'm not trying to press <laughs> oh, I'm jealous. And it's a, it's a fantastic book. Um, and um, uh, I'll just read the blurb at the back. And it's so it yeah. says... No spoilers, Stevie. No, no spoilers. <laughs> she is the fox girl. I'm the white gazelle. Together we can outrun anything. Rima feels completely lost. She'll never call this strange country with its grey skies and boring food home. Syria is her home and it's a million miles away. Kaylin feels completely alone. She's looking after her useless mum, stealing from other kids so she can eat. She can't tell anyone. They'll only let her down. The refugee and the bully. Rima and Kaylin can't imagine being friends until a shared secret brings them together. It's absolutely fantastic. Wow. It's really powerful. And um, I, I think it should be, you know, um, you call it on the curriculum. Yeah. Mandatory, uh, yeah. that's the word Definitely. I'm looking yeah. for. Yeah. Because it, 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 especially in the times we're living in, you know. Yeah. Yeah. Um, it, so it deals with a, a lot of issues, but really from uh, the perspective of uh, two 12-year-old, 11, 12-year-old girls. Um, and, a, and what sort of age would you recommend, sort of like year eight, year nine? Well, we would say 
primary seventh to first second year. But I would recommend that for for um, up to third year, even you know, in the the broad what we call the broad general education. Which and what age range is that? Up to fourteen years old. Yeah, fourteen. Yeah. 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 So I mean, it's it's brilliant and um, it's very accessible. I think from um, all different perspectives. You know, it deals with class, religion, race. Asylum seeker, uh, refugee issues, um, and um, yeah, and really, really great. Yeah, I've got I've got a couple of primary ones that might be good. The proudest blue yeah. by Ibtihaj Muhammad. So this is about a young girl who wears a hijab. So it's a story about it's an uplifting universal story, which is what the blurb says. Um, um, just about being how being proud of who you are. There's a story called The Boy at the Back of the Room, I think it is, by Unjali Rauf. Um, I think this is also a child's perspective on the refugee crisis. My Hair Love is a lovely story as well. Mm, yeah. Um, yeah. It's about, yeah, I, can't, what's, I don't know the blurb on that one, but it's about a young girl who um, identifies as um, Afro-American, I think, and she's self-conscious of her hair. And then by the end of the story, she's proud of her hair and proud of her culture and her heritage. Um, I mean, there's loads uh to do, 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 do hand a surprise is a nice one and um, i like yeah that i like hand a surprise it's a really yeah, nice for one for, ones, young, for yeah. younger ones it's very visual um so there yeah there's a few that i like that i've certainly used um in the past but there's loads like i i know i've got a list i know that alexandra and stevie will probably have a list of books somewhere as well so um <laughs> yeah if we put um if we get those lists together or even like a yeah, comprehensive list yeah. i can put that in a blog um after the podcast that'd be really good yeah share that to everybody yep Sure. Mine would be, uh, again, all the books that were mentioned, I love them dearly. I think, the, Stevie, I'm so grateful that you have recommended The Fox Girl and The White Gazelle to me. And I was so very lucky to meet the author and had the book uh, signed. But um, I'm quite passionate about STEM. And one of the kind of projects we had on the team kind of um, looked at EAL and STEM we had a great project that was launched just very recently, EEL plus STEM equals success. And so my recommendation would be uh, Hidden Figures and the story of Katherine Johnson from NASA. I think it has so many themes from um, race to gender equality and that kind of obviously theme of STEM and encouraging uh, BAME young people, children to take up STEM as subject. So that would be my little title that I, I quite enjoy. And the story itself was really moving and touching. Um, and again, suits a lot of ideal interdisciplinary resources um, to take a lot of different themes on board. That's brilliant. Um, you've got a really good list there, especially for primary and secondary as well, which is really good. Um, so we really believe in promoting cultural diversity um, with Twinkle EAL. And have you got any tips on how our listeners can embed this in their setting? Um, I, I mean, if I don't mind, if you don't mind me going first, guys. Um, I think it's important to try and immerse and normalise diversity in everyday learning. So yeah. whatever there can be um, representation of um, BME role models, I think that's important. I think it should be highlighted during lessons, during discussions that, you know, by the way, I know such and such an individual. For instance, if you're doing a maths lesson, you could mention Ramanujan, who was an Indian mathematician, and just refer to, like, 
iconic figures who are from the black and ethnic minority um, back with a black ethnic minority background um, to just highlight to our diverse learners that you know our people from BME background have also had an impact on history so it's important to bring that in to the classroom and the learning experiences also think it's important to just have um visual representation of, of your those role your, models yeah role models yeah. visual representation in your displays other languages displayed translanguaging you mentioned I think yeah. Alexander would be the person to talk to you about translanguaging it's absolutely fantastic do you want to share a little bit about translanguaging Alexandra, because you know loads yeah, about it. Yeah, uh, we, again, this is one of those fantastic EL pedagogies that we've been uh, promoting and um, uh, trying to embed into colleagues' practice. It's really about um, using young people's and children's full linguistic repertoire to understand new concepts and, and to flourish, really. Uh, there are so many. Uh, but I think it's... Um, it's just something that bilinguals naturally do. And I've been sharing my own experiences as well as a Polish native speaker, that there are certain things I'm really good at only in Polish, like more kind of advanced calculations in maths. I need to think in Polish. I need to, okay, yes. I need to switch between those languages. And I think that's what a lot of bilinguals do very naturally. They switch between the languages and they just, you know, use whichever language works best in that context to their advantage situation um, yeah. so um that's me on translanguaging <laughs> yeah. and it can be used like orally and written as well yeah, so absolutely. if you've got the digital tools if you've got a learner who um you're engaging in a lesson and it's a written lesson they can write it in their own language and then they can try and orally translate it to the class teacher or it can be translated yeah. using tools um, I think so yeah that I mean I love translanguaging yeah, I think it's brilliant I think it will look very differently in early years primary and secondary setting so yeah, obviously yeah, different yeah. maybe approaches and resources would be there to support young people and children to use translanguaging but the benefits of parental engagement um deeper understanding of the context and that self sense of my languages are valued uh you know, I can I can use my home language here at school, and I can still yeah. access the curriculum. Yeah, um, are just fantastic. Yeah, and the confidence it brings. Oh is just yeah, amazing, yeah, isn't it? yeah. It builds our confidence. It helps with cognitive development, I think, as well. Yeah, like no, no. I think it, does it like just that as well. yeah. promotes. Oh like yeah, yeah. Learning. There's loads of advantages. Gaps, yeah. Yeah. yeah, yeah. I mean, I, th I think I think it it's. You, if you if you've learned concepts in your first language, and then you're coming to an, a new environment where you're speaking learning a second language, it it's kind of logical that you've if you're given the opportunity to discuss those concepts in your home language, um, or to think through them or research them. Um, even at home with your parents, yes. if, if pupils can, yeah. young people can talk to their parents about, say, a history project or maths or science in their first language, then then that then will improve yes. the, the 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 young person's um, chances of succeeding in that that with that content through a new the second language. 
in English, which is in our case it would be in English. I so also, it makes absolute sorry, sense, sorry. doesn't it? I mean, it's, it's just, yeah, sorry. No, no, no I interrupted your apologies. Knowledge that you already of, have, yeah. cultural knowledge and, and um, conceptual knowledge um, that you've already learned through your first language. It's like in the, in the, the Pauline Gibbons book, she talks about if you've learned how to tell the time in your first language, then it'll be a lot easier to learn how to tell the time in English. You know, because you've already got the skills. Yeah. Yeah. So um, it just helps to to be able to then um, attach the the new language onto the concepts that you've already developed, kind of thing. Um, Sorry. No, no, just because you were talking about it, I thought, oh, obviously, I'm just, I just thought of this kind of learning that takes place not just for EL um, learners, but for everyone in class. And I remember when uh, I used translanguaging with a colleague in geography, EL learners brought so many different perspectives uh, to the lesson. I think the topic was rivers. And each of them, each of those learners came from a different perception of rivers, you know, coming from the Nile region or coming from the mountains somewhere in Eastern Europe, they just brought so many, so much to the class. It just became such a, such an exciting discussion about, you know, ooh, alligators and in rivers, um, you know, something that uh, excited a lot of pupils in the class. And then, um, you know, talking about streams and, and environmental issues around pollution around the rivers all of a sudden this topic became so alive and the and the resources and the, the, the outcomes were just so exciting so I think the translanguaging benefits not just EAL learners it benefits everyone and also it really helps to bridge that gap between parents oh, and absolutely. the school it helps build that positive relationship yeah, because relationship. If, if they're able to if learners are able to go home and complete a homework task with their parent in their own language then that parent is aware of the learning that's going on so it's making those connections there but can I just quickly add as well like another really good tool to use in terms of like promoting cultural diversity in your classrooms is really take the time to get to know your learners as individuals as very unique individuals I think very often yeah. practitioners see communities and we all do it we all see communities as like homogenous groups but there needs to be yeah. that understanding that even within those homogenous groups there is diversity and um, you know one one community is certainly not everyone in that community is not all going to do the same things the same way or think so the same, yeah. exactly so really get to know your learners and, and you can get to know your learners through discussions I mean there's lots of times when when I've had a lesson going on and then the lesson just goes off, just like what Alexandra was saying, we yeah. just go off on a little tangent. But from that little tangent, I learned so much about, let's say, a particular learner, and then I can then tap into that. Um, it's a valuable resource. So I also think diversity needs to be seen as an asset and not as a barrier. <laughs> just yes, to throw that in there. Oh, yeah. Thank you so much um, for being on the podcast today. It's been amazing talking to you all about um, literacy. I've learned so much as well. Um, and thank you so much for all the hard work you're doing as well within your communities. It's brilliant. Um, see you on social media all the time. <laughs> and I've, I thought, I've got to get in touch with you. You do some amazing work. Um, so thank you. Thanks for having us, Helen. Thank Thanks you. very much, Helen. Thank you. This podcast was brought to you by Helen Bodell from Twinkly AL. We have over 650,000 resources and you can find all of our EAL resources at www.twinkle.co.uk. 
You can also find us on Facebook, Instagram, Twitter and Pinterest by searching Twinkle EAL.